Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Long ago, before this day's confusion did begin. Throughout the stars did we go wandering. Distance was no barrier, and time it had no hope. Free to come. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Karmic Evolutions, Astrologically Speaking. I'm your host, Sherry Horn Hassan of Karmic Evolution Astrology, and I'm coming to you on November 9th, 2017 from Contact Talk Radio. So today, I'm going to get right into the astro news you can use for this week. But before I do, I'll let you know that I am solo on the show today, and so I thought I might invite anyone with questions about astrology Either questions that deal with what I'm talking about today or pretty much anything else um, to call in before the end of the hour so that I can have time to answer them. The number to call here is 844-390-8255. Also, I would uh, invite, invite people to send me an email if you'd rather uh, communicate that way and ask me some of your questions, which I may be able to answer, of course, not on this show, but in the future. And my email address is Sherry, which is S-H-E-R-I, at karmicevolution.com, K-A-R-M-I-C, and the word evolution, E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N.com. And I'll be happy to start answering some questions on the live shows. So now... We're in between the last full moon, which pitted Taurus archetypal energy against Scorpios. In fact, the fourth quarter moon or the waning square in the monthly lunar cycle occurs tomorrow, November 10th, and the upcoming November 18th Scorpio new moon. So as the energy of this full moon cycle wanes, we're asked still to release that which no, no longer serves our highest good and growth in consciousness moving forward. So we talked a lot last week about letting go of old outworn values or that which we thought we valued in order to replace them with newer ones more important to our soul. And that's still the order of the day, at least until November 18th Scorpio full moon, 
which I'll be talking about at greater length on November 16th show next week. But meanwhile, Venus also entered the sign of Scorpio on November 7th. And while she's there until December 1st, when she'll enter uh, on December 1st, she'll enter the more all-inclusive sign of Sagittarius, we can carry on with this last Taurus full moon's mission to let go of that which may be familiar, but not, or at least not any longer, a necessary part of our true value system. So this is important, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later on, as advertised, because we're setting ourselves up with the energies that are in play right now for the Uranus ingress into Taurus next May, May 16th of 2018. So again, I want to go into a little bit more depth about Venus and Venus and Scorpio and make my way there. So Venus is known as the planet of relationship. We know she's about harmony. We know she's about beauty. We know that she's about um, serenity. But this astrologer who likes to do what I call bottom line things, Venus is always about that which we value based on our earliest memories around the physical body and its five senses. Now that's Venus as the ruler of Taurus. And I mentioned last week that Venus as the ruler of Libra is far more about the social niceties of partnership and compromise and negotiation. But still, Taurus in our zodiac comes before Libra. Taurus is the second sign, Libra the seventh. And so we must be clear about what it is that we truly value in order to be able to form relationships with significant others or partnerships of any kind. So you can see that uh, Venus is as with the last Taurus full moon, the relationship between Venus and Taurus and Venus also rules, Venus's Taurus also rules the second house in the natural zodiac. This energy is also about resources or the things we prioritize because we need them to survive. Things like food, water, shelter, and by shelter I mean warmth and protection from the both the elements and dangerous predators, human contact, these are the things that comprise our basic drives, which in turn form the foundation of our basic values. Now, Scorpio energy at its highest level is about regenerative transformation. As I mentioned last week, Scorpio's energy is about the necessary transformation or that which alerts us to the fact that we must adapt and evolve or we will die. I'm sure that I went into this last week or and at um, at another time, but Scorpio energy is connected to the cycle of death and rebirth, which is, of course, why this last Taurus full moon, as well as the upcoming November 18th Scorpio new moon, it's almost like saying you must release that which is not of true value to you and we're still in that period so just because the full moon came and went it's not over we're in the fourth quarter tomorrow the waning square so for another couple of for another week or so we're going to be still be releasing 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 and then when we have the scorpio new moon on november 18th we can plant a new seed that will eventually grow into our new set of values what what needs to be transformed is being determined now by the letting go of what we no longer value. And then at the Scorpio New Moon, we plant seeds 
that we would like to see transform into something brand new. So Venus in Scorpio is likely to invoke energies around the potential for regeneration, not only around our basic needs, but also around those which need to die in order for new ones to be born. And I grant you that this may sound a bit esoteric, but think about it. When we understand what it is we truly value, then we better understand our basic needs in life. And everything then flows from this knowledge. If we know what we value, because we understand what gives us pleasure, or more importantly, what does not make us feel good, we stand a much better chance of inviting into our lives those relationships, jobs, and circumstances that will make us feel not only satisfied, but truly alive. In other words, we don't just want to survive, we want to thrive. And that opportunity, again, will be given to us on the new moon on November 18th. So here I'd like to point out that elections were held yesterday across the U.S. and that the results transformed several major offices, such as the governorships of New Jersey, which is the state in which I live, and Virginia, and more from one party's control to another. I read this morning that the Washington state legislature has changed hands from the GOP to the Democrats. And since they've had a Democratic mayor, I'm sorry, not mayor, governor, um, he has been unable to get through any of the more progressive legislation for which the state of Washington has pretty much been uh, come to be known over the over the last uh, several decades. So this is an interesting development. I'm not bringing this up because I want to talk politics specifically. Rather, I merely want to point out the significance of this last Taurus full moon, which pitted, as I said, the archetypal energy of Taurus and values against the Scorpio uh, energy of transformation. I think it's pretty obvious that we're beginning to see a transformation in consciousness within the collective about what it values vis-a-vis political leadership. And I mean... For real, I mean, what we really value. I think a lot of people now are cognizant of the fact that they either chose to sit out the last election uh, cycle in 2017 for president in the United States and have now seen a lot of things change in ways they would prefer not to have happened since then, but not having voted, they find it difficult <laughs> to take responsibility for the fact that we got what we got. So now, again, is this evaluation and re-evaluation. So when we look back, it's undeniable that this past year's transit of Jupiter through Libra resulted in a polarization of sides, particularly through the lens of politics, and a lot of those um, Libras, you know, about relationships, partnerships. So a lot of the polarization was not just over politics per se, but over how people should be able to engage in relationships. For example, the rights of women versus the white rights of men, the rights of the LGBT community versus the rights of uh, heterosexuals. Those are just a few um, of course, one religion against another and the banning of Muslims or people who come from a particular place, uh, denying them entrance into the country. Again, my point is not to go into politics 
in order to argue sides. It's simply to say that we experienced a lot of this polarization and the widening of the rift between people of two different philosophies, regardless of what those philosophies were about. And now we're seeing the shift into Scorpio. So let's not forget first that Jupiter as the king of gods has to do with rulership and governing related to specific philosophies that are set down into law. Our Western Judeo-Christian Ten Commandments, for example, and I'd argue also that they're, they're Islamic, as I know uh, the people uh, of Islam also adhere to the Old Testament. And in that sense, we are all the people of the book, those of us who hail from Judeo-Christian and Islamic tenets and families um, or cultures. So these Ten Commandments found their way into our code of law of the thou shalt not kill kind. And our leaders serve to create, review, and revise the laws that govern our population, at least here in the U.S. So since Jupiter's movement into Scorpio on October 10th and through the last lunation's Taurus full moon on November 3rd or 4th, depending on your time zone, we have seen scandals uncovered, laws broken, and people speaking out, especially those who've been previously victimized and who kept this victimization secret or were ignored when they did speak out. From mogul movie producer Harvey Weinstein's sexually abusive behavior to the cancellation by Netflix of actor Kevin Spacey's House of Cards television series, Jupiter and Scorpio so far shed much light on sexual taboos by bringing them out of the dark and into collective consciousness. And once out of the dark and into the open, Others have taken the opportunity to speak out and respond, both with similar stories and in solidarity with others. And in doing so, whether we each personally spoke out or simply empathize with others, whether as victim or perpetrator, and here I'd like to mention I've seen a number of men apologize on social media for having sexually victimized women in the past, we're all presented with the opportunity to consciously grasp and solidify on what we place value. And one of those areas is about whether we value silence more than speaking out. And from this, we get to examine what laws were actually broken, what moral codes trespassed in the name of quote-unquote business as usual, especially since Pluto's been in Capricorn since November 2008. Many of you may remember, and if you don't know, Pluto, again, the ruler of Scorpio, is the god of the underworld, represents transformation, and Capricorn is the archetype that is business as usual, success, ambition, climbing the ladder. Um, so we, we've been seeing clearly as soon as Pluto ingressed into Capricorn in late 2008 and then early 2009, the housing market crash, at least again in the U.S. So Scorpio is an archetype that also has to do with joint resources and other people's money. So this is not a bad month to reevaluate your investments, especially while Venus is in Scorpio, both literally and or in terms of the trust you place in other people to safeguard your finances for you. This week, this past week, we've seen the outing of financial information about the Trump-appointed billionaire Wilbur Ross 
who's the U.S. Secretary of Commerce. Troves of formerly secret documents detailing monies hidden in offshore banks emerged this week in the press. These documents are supposedly voluminous. I think reporters have been poring over them uh, for, for like four months before they came to conclusions and released data from them. And that's been happening this week, especially as Venus has, uh, since, you know, between the, the, again, the Taurus full moon and the Venus's ingress on November 7th to Scorpio. Um, and of course the sun isn't still in Scorpio. So Ross is an investor in the Russian shipping company Navigator Holdings, which transports Russian oil company Cyber's product. Now, Cyber is owned by Vladimir Putin's son-in-law. And I ask you if you see any shades of Trump here. And this company, Cyber, has been subject to U.S. sanctions since Russia's incursions into the Ukraine several years ago. So Wilbur Ross, our Secretary of Commerce, has profited to the tune of $10 million through his holdings in a company subject to U.S. sanctions since he's accepted his current cabinet post. Where, by the way, as Secretary of Commerce, he is in charge of overseeing issues like adherence to U.S. sanctions in industries like international shipping. Commerce is trade, trade and transportation. So here we have a beautiful illustration of how Jupiter and Scorpio thus far this year, combined with and aided by the Sun and Scorpio, and now Venus there too, has touched off a rich vein of formerly hidden information that may ultimately affect our value system out in the world. As an astrologer, I tend to think of the archetypal influences of the movement of the planets and other important bodies through the heavens as akin to watching the gears on a clock or in an engine or other piece of machinery shift and move. This is to say that parts move independently of one another, yet together at the same time. So what do I mean by that? I mean that one thing is going on in one place for a short time, like Venus is in Scorpio right now, and the sun is in Scorpio, but other planets are in other signs, and some move more slowly and others move more quickly, yet they're all designed for a particular purpose, and that purpose is to move us all forward into greater consciousness. How we interpret what happens to us and how we deal to uh, choose to deal with it is very, very important, which is why I'm going on and on and on about this. So again, Jupiter and Scorpio is the backdrop against which we can see the emergence of what was formerly hidden come into the light for this next year while the Scorpio sun aids this mission for this next month. Uh, Scorpio sun is going to be moving out of Scorpio and into Capricorn at the winter solstice. Uh, December 21st, so we still have plenty of time left. And the other thing I want to mention is that Venus in Scorpio can get a bad rap, but that's because it's also about potential betrayal. So Scorpio is about bringing, uh, what, I mean, Jupiter in Scorpio, like we said, is bringing into the light that which has been formally hidden, anything that's secret, particularly dealing with money and other people's resources, but also Venus and Scorp talks more specifically about relationship. And one of the things that Scorpio is connected to is betrayal. 
jealousy, betrayal, opposition. These are all lower side Scorpio traits. So while Venus travels through the sign, try to keep your eye on the prize and recognize that anyone who comes at you now provides you with the opportunity to see your shadow side in full living color in the plain light of day. Same has been true again for the next year. While Jupiter's in Scorpio, for the better part of the next month, while the sun is still in Scorpio, and also Venus there. So whether you choose to see this presentation of your shadow or deny it is always up to you. However, Venus and Pluto or Taurus, Libra and Scorpio combinations either in one's chart or in the sky in any way, shape or form can represent what Jungian astrologer Liz Green calls love triangles. I would like to um, read to you uh, because Liz Green is one of my favorites and um, I think that it's important. But first, I just want to say, um, you know, while Venus is now in Scorpio along with these other energies in Scorpio, planets in Scorpio, it, the, the energy is so strong. So the result of the coming into light of any knowledge about any relationships that include a third person or entity may be on the um, horizon. Now, when I say entity, I mean that not all triangles involve three people. Rather, they can be a couple and one person's work or their artistic love, addiction, passion, etc. So what Liz Green says is that, and this is from her book, Relationships and How to Survive Them, which is a series of transcripts from her lectures at the Center for Psychological Astrology a few years back. So she says, adult sexual triangles, there are many kinds of triangles, not all involving an adult sexual relationship. Even if we were to restrict ourselves to sexual triangles, we would find many different varieties. Sexual triangles are not always made of the grand dramatic stuff of Arthur, Lancelot, and Guinevere. There are adult love triangles where all three points are fixed. One partner in a relationship is involved with a third person, and there isn't any movement in the triangle. It is static and may go on for many years until one of the three participants dies. There are other love triangles where one of the points is constantly changing. One can have serial adultery rather than one consistent lover. But both these situations are triangles, even though we tend to accord a higher romantic value to the first and usually condemn the second, and both can evoke the same spectrum of feelings. Green goes on to talk about other kinds of triangles. Apart from adult love triangles where a sexual involvement exists between any combination of the two sexes, there are many other kinds of triangles. The most fundamental are triangles that involve parents and children. There are triangles which involve friendships, and there are triangles which involve non-human companions. One partner may feel betrayed because of the other partner's dedication to work or artistic involvement or spiritual development. Such triangles can evoke exactly the same feelings as a sexual variety. Any of you who do creative work may know that when one withdraws into a creative space, one has somehow left the person one lives with, and it can stir up great insecurity in one's partner. The creative process is an act of love, 
That is why the fifth house is traditionally said to govern both. If one loves one's work, it may evoke enormous jealousy. There are even triangles involved with pets. You may think this is funny, but one partner can feel extremely jealous, hurt, and neglected because the other partner is deeply attached to his or her cat or dog. All these different kinds of triangles may seem unrelated. The one thing they have in common is the component of one or another variety of love, which, in a triangle, is no longer exclusive. And when we must share someone's love, whether with another person or with something ineffable like the imagination, we may feel betrayed, abandoned, and bereft. End quote. So my point in reading that is just to alert you to the fact that it is entirely possible that during this period, while um, especially Venus is in Scorpio, we should be on the lookout for all things related to jealousy to consider whether we are consciously jealous or whether we might project it out and have it returned to us by another who exhibits jealousy or possessiveness or controlling behavior. Now, <clears throat> what's interesting is that um, the sun in Scorpio is coming into a square with the transiting nodes. And the transiting nodes, which were spoken about quite a while back, are a south node is in Aquarius at 19 degrees now, a north node in Leo. Interesting that, um, you know, the passages that I just read from Liz Green talk about artistry and creativity, which is Venus's domain, but also... Leo, the fifth house is ruled by Leo, which is the ruler of the sun. Actually, the sun is the ruler of Leo. So the sun is coming into a square with the transiting nodes. And because of what's been going on in the political realm and the realm of exposure of sexual taboos, um, not to mention the money that I already mentioned, we see a little bit of a crisis point coming. And this is fairly fleeting because the sun moves approximately a degree a day. So it's not like this is going to last very long. But against the backdrop of what um, what does, um, I'm sorry, my attention got thrown off because I got a question. So I'm kind of excited. So let me answer the question, which is relevant. So somebody asked, what is a node? And what does a square mean, which is what I was just about to get into. But the nodes are, um, they're not planetary points. They're points in space that revolve around the elliptic with the moon. And without going into an astronomical explanation, which would take too long, let's suffice it to say that the nodes are indicators of karma. And when the transiting nodes move through the sky, they take approximately 19 months to shift from one sign and one house into another. We did talk about the planetary, the um, shift of the nodes back in May when I had Kim Marie Weimer, an excellent, excellent evolutionary astrologer on the show. So you may want to go into my archives at uh, karmicevolution.com radio show uh, page and seek it out. But we did an in-length show, at-length at show about the nodes and their meaning. So, the collective, because these are transiting nodes, the collective is now being asked to shift our energy 
from areas where we may have been traumatized because the south node in Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. And Uranus is an energy or represents an archetypal energy that can be related to trauma. So as the sun squares the, the Aquarius south node, it's presenting us with a dilemma. A square is a frictional aspect, a 90 degree angle that forms in the sky because we're talking about the transiting sun in the sky as it comes to square the transiting nodes in the sky. And so it presents us with something problematic about moving away from being a potentially traumatized around our sense of creativity and also, I would add, you know, how creative we feel we are has to do with our own value system and belief system. But Aquarian Uranian energy is also about being part of the group or the tribe. And so on another level, the South Node is the portal through which we came into this lifetime from past life karma when we think of it in terms of our individual chart and energy. But on a collective, it's where the collective has come from. So we may have come from a more humanitarian, group-oriented, let's sacrifice, united, we stand, divided, we fall kind of energy. But we're being asked by the universe right now to move towards our individual, more subjective, Aquarius, Uranus, very objective, Leo, Sun, very much more subjective, Neither is good and neither is bad. But the point here is that we're being asked to move towards our own creative solar self so that we can move from hiding our light under a bushel and really shine out in the world. So the Scorpio sun coming to square these nodes in Aquarius and Leo can be a little bit of an internal struggle about how we move away from the group and align ourselves with our own higher subjective truth in terms of our freedom to creatively express. Now, if I'm going to relate that to what I discussed vis-a-vis -vis the recent election here two days ago and the results, most of which came down that night or yesterday to the rest of us who you know, may not have been paying that much attention, is that we are being asked to look at how, again, our views may have become polarized over the past year or so and how now we can, you know, when you're polarized, you're with one side or the other. You know, there's safety in numbers. People group together. This is human nature and human behavior. So if you've hung with a particular group because that's your culture's group, your family's group, your your friend's group, your neighbor's group, your, your workplace's group or whatever, but it's really not in alignment with your own true sense of values or and or how you want to express yourself. Many times people prevent themselves from saying what they think or feel because they are worried about being judged by the others in their group. This sun square, the nodes, is giving us the opportunity, although, as I said before, it's a fleeting one, to be able to deal with our internal uh, hesitation in coming out 
and saying what we really think. Scorpio is also a, a sign about truth and Scorpio energy doesn't like to sugarcoat things. It's blunt and it's right to the point and it is often shocking. So if you or anyone you know suddenly says, yeah, I know, I've been a Republican for 50 years and I, my, you know, my mother, my grandfather, my grandfather before him, blah, 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 blah. We've all been Republicans forever. But you know what? I pulled the lever for the Dem. All right. That's again, just relating it to a political level. Doesn't have to be political at all in your life. But if you're on the lookout for ways in which either you or other people express to you their true feelings, their true selves, and say it straight out, and then how you might, if it's not you saying it, but someone else, how you might react to that. These are all things that give us food for thought. In other words, what I was talking about before is the shadow side. You know, Venus and Scorpio, we may see our shadow come as. This has been true while the sun's in Scorpio too. But do we recognize it? Do we choose to blame or try to control others or, you know, say, I don't agree with you, you're wrong, wrong, wrong? Or do we start to mend that gap by becoming more conscious of the fact that we're all always in a state of flux. We're, we're not supposed to be static and, and, and stagnant and stay, you know, with one mindset or one viewpoint forever. If we um, do, we, our mind gets closed. And that can cause what in the medical profession they would call atrophy. And atrophy is shrinkage. So it's like you get stiff, you know, you get, you get conservative and rigid. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about that on upcoming shows when we start to get into the Saturn and Capricorn energy, which is coming on uh, December 19th, right before the sun's movement into Capricorn at the winter solstice on December 21st. So the other thing that's happening, just to go back to a more day-to-day mundane level, is that Venus in Scorpio will meet up with Jupiter in Scorpio on November 12th. Now, Venus is known in traditional astrology as the lesser benefic, while Jupiter is called the greater benefic. And the worst that we can say about these two archetypal energies when they're together is that they are maybe too much of something or a general kind of malaise or laziness that makes one feel like taking a break or pampering oneself or just generally indulging and enjoying oneself in whatever way one likes. And Venus is waxing into a trine to Neptune, which will be exact on November 16th. And it's this currently waxing energy that may make whatever was blessed by Jupiter when the two of them met up. At the same time, the day before that the sun squares the nodes, it's almost like um, the sun will square the nodes on the 10th and the 11th. So just tomorrow and the next day present us perhaps with the opportunity to get in better touch with how we might act, make our own decisions and creatively express ourselves, even if we um, feel that others might think we're crazy or think that or, or simply disagree with us. You know, we'll just get a lot of backlash. Uh, and then we have Nep- uh, Venus and Jupiter coming together, which is kind of like a or a slipping into a warm bubble bath, you know, like give yourself a break, like just relax and enjoy. 
And as Venus then continues to wax into this trine to Neptune, which will be exact on November 16th, that's what I was saying is it's that this currently waxing energy may make whatever was whatever happened when the sun squared the nodes um, blessed by Jupiter makes it easier to achieve in terms of making a dream into reality. So don't give up your hopes, even if you're not able to rise to the challenge of the sun square the nodes and express your, your differences rather than your, in uh, your samenesses. Again, the south node in Aquarius is, you know, you may come from a place where you've been deemed different. And that is in and of itself a lot of the derivation of the uh, interpretation of Aquarius and Uranus as trauma signatures. When you're out ostracized or cast out of the group, how much harder does it make it to speak your mind or to be as creatively brilliant as you might otherwise be? And uh, a lot of that creative brilliance revolves around your ability to express. We can all be creatively brilliant in our heads, but if we never allow it out, we'll never draw attention to ourselves. And the universe is calling us to be able to draw attention to ourselves, but without any fear. Okay. So meanwhile, we're also experiencing today the final exact trine between Saturn and Sagittarius and Uranus in Aries. Another trine of this sort between Saturn and Uranus will not occur until 2037. So this energy is likely to allow future momentum right now, even though it's coming to an end, it's been in play for the better part of this year. Uh, it's based on allowing momentum between business and innovation. Anywhere in your life where you've experienced an easier time of being your own true individuated self without having to hide behind a facade is where this trine energy is more likely uh, going to be manifest this year. So in other words, again, if we now put this together with the sun square the nodes, which is a very fleeting energy, and this longer term Saturn in Sagittarius trining Uranus and Aries in fire, which is always about spirit and movement, we get an indication that it should be easier for us to speak our own minds. And as I said here, not have to hide behind a facade. So it's like a green light to ground your forward-thinking ideas without others assuming that they cannot ever come into fruition. So in short, if you've had the patience to live within a foundational structure this past year, yet managed to create something new and different, this is the energy that, according to astrologer Rob Hand, and I'm going to quote from his Planets and Transit book now, is a time of stability and creative balance between the old and the new in your life. So you may want to think about where this has occurred in your life during this past year uh, or so in order to continue to build up such energies going forward. Now, when I mentioned the gear shifts sort of moving independently and together, I meant that things, again, can happen in, in fleeting occurrences, but they're still part of a bigger purpose. And the purpose is to keep the engine running, keep the clock moving, and keeping time or whatever analogy or metaphor works for you. 
So the whole deal about the Taurus full moon and the upcoming Scorpio new moon in terms of the Taurus Scorpio polarity, which is change and transformation versus resistance to change and stubbornly clinging to old values. And the backdrop of Jupiter and Scorp, we, and, and this past year's Saturn trine Uranus, we can see that we're moving towards Uranus, moving into the sign of Taurus. And that's happening on May 16th in 2018. There are other things happening before that, but because Taurus is involved, I thought I would stick with that for this week and just elaborate a little bit more on it. So Uranus is, like I said, the ruler of the south node, also the transiting south node right now. And so there's relevance here to that ingress when he moves into the sign of Taurus. Uranus has been in the sign of Aries for almost seven years now. He generally takes seven years to go through either a sign or a house, depending on what chart you're looking at and how the, the, the houses in the chart splay out, because we have several different methods of constructing a chart with different house systems. So in order not to be confusing, let's just say that when Uranus moves into Taurus, it will do so in a particular house in your chart, your own individual horoscope. And that is where you're going to be asked to make changes to your current value system. Now, this is in alignment with what I've been talking about and perhaps going on and on and on ad nauseum about last weekend this week with all the Taurus, the Venus and, and Scorpio energy. So Uranus basically does not like stagnation or stasis or non-movement, and Taurus loves to stay put, to dig its little heels in, to remain in a comfortable, comfy position, uh, and not make any changes. Taurus often does not see any point in making any changes. I am a Taurus son, and my favorite thing is to say is, why why move when you can stand and why stand when you can sit and why sit when you can lie down? So that's just my take on it. However, Uranus says we must change. It's a little like Pluto. Pluto says you have to evolve. If you don't evolve, you will die. You become extinct. Uranus says if you don't change, you'll atrophy. And I mentioned that word before. So, you know, the concept of turning to stone comes to mind. And Uranus is known as the planet of shocks and surprises, primarily because, not because the universe loves to shock and surprise us so all of the, you know, world can laugh at, at our misfortune if we, if we lose something due to a sudden change or an unexpected occurrence, but because it's necessary for us to survive. We just cannot stay the same. It's, you know, energy doesn't die. So how can energy just stagnate? It can't. It has to continue to move. Those of you who are listening who believe in past life karma and reincarnation and things of that nature, as do I, you realize that a soul is energy. When a soul leaves uh, a physical body, where does it go? 
I'm not talking about scientific uh, analysis and the need for proof. I'm talking about just having the faith that those of us who are um, cognizant of the fact that we believe that energy doesn't die, then we know energy has to keep moving and changing, uh, changing and shifting, uh, and sometimes shifting forms, as in when the soul leaves the body at death. So values when Uranus moves into Taurus, are going to be changed. And Taurus, as I said before, has a connotation around resources. Now, resources include money as well. Land, money, food, and all those things I mentioned before that we need to survive. Human contact, safety, warmth, shelter from the cold. Uh, water is a huge one. When you say food, water is a no-brainer, right? The body is like whatever, 80% water. So um, there are many astrologers who are predicting that when Uranus goes into Taurus, we'll see a change in our resources, which might affect the growth of our crops, might affect the availability of our water, although uh, Neptune's been in Pisces for quite some time, and, and obviously there have been changes around our water systems, especially here in the U.S., but throughout the world, contaminated water after the hurricanes and way before in places like Africa on uh, in India and uh, other tropical locations. Um, the proportion to which a change is rapid, shocking, unexpected, tells us the degree to which change has been necessary but we have not made those changes or that change. So when Uranus goes into Taurus, and as you know, now, from what I've been saying, related to Taurus and its transit through Scorpio and the other stuff we've been talking about, I see this period right now up through the end of the year, but also in relationship to the Scorpio new moon happening on November 18th, and then the ingress of Saturn into Capricorn in December, as times when we can really do the hard work of figuring out where we need to make changes so that we can begin to make these changes slowly and not be hit over the head unexpectedly by a two-by-four and wake up one day and find everything gone. Now, I am not a financial astrologer, and nor am I suggesting you do anything about your finances other than make sure they are in the hands of people you trust and perhaps to have that conversation with them about what they expect for the future. Likewise, as this past Taurus full moon gave us the opportunity to contemplate what things do we need to let go of that are no longer of value and these could be relationships, they could be jobs, they could be possessions, they could be houses, they could be cars, they could be pets, they could be anything. And if anyone has experienced a death over the last year, um, and this is part of life, many of us have, the idea that there is a reason why something must leave in order for something new to come in. So particularly at this upcoming Scorpio new moon, 
with an eye towards Uranus's movement into the sign of Taurus in May of 2018 for the next seven years, we want to jettison that which no longer serves us in terms of our higher values and incorporate into our psyches and into our lives the things that we do value. So it's uber important for us to really sit down and perhaps make a list of these things, especially things around which finances occur. Things like jobs, things like investments, things like trusts, like uh, I was forced to do 10 years ago, step into my mother's financial affairs and take complete control after she'd had several mini strokes and was diagnosed with Parkinson's and dementia and to take over another family member's finances as well at that time, which was just coincidental. So if any of that kind of stuff is on your plate, my suggestion is not to hesitate, but to do your exploratory work now, especially while Venus is in Scorpio. Scorpio also, and the sun as well, is the detective. Uh, It represents wealth, but in terms of the fact that Pluto's rulership over the underworld means it's underground and it's underground that when we dig, we find rich veins filled with things like silver and gold and diamonds. So it's our precious stones and precious resources. So again, when I use the word resources, now you can see the bringing together of Taurus and Scorpio or Venus and, and I'm sorry, Taurus and Pluto and Venus and Scorpio, as this being a good time to really get to the bottom of your finances and to make sure everything is in order, and if it's not, to begin to make the kinds of changes that will be necessary in the future. Why? Because you don't want the door to hit you on your way out. You don't want to be... uh confronted with a crisis when Uranus moves into Taurus around this issue of what you value and particularly vis-a-vis finances. Same thing is true with relationships. My reason for reading Liz Green's passages and for mentioning the love triangle thing is, well, where's your sense of values? Is it are you doing what you want to do? Is it okay? Are you a third wheel in a in a, uh, a triangular relationship? Do you want that to continue? Do you want to develop a different set of values around that? Clearly, it's possible that something sudden might happen there. And none of us likes to have to deal with things that we don't expect. Uh, I don't know, some of us are better at it than others, I suppose. Uh, people who move faster on their feet. Again, I'm a Taurus, so I'm like, uh, what happened? <laughs> it's already done, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Did that just happen? Okay, now what am I going to do? So we're all different, obviously. And how we deal with sudden change is something that we might want to contemplate before it actually happens. Again, Taurus is second house. Most people give real estate, most astrologers, I should say, give real estate to the fourth house because the moon's cancer ruled the fourth house and cancer's connotation along with the moon is home and family. So it represents 
the place where we live both literally and psychologically. But a lot of times I attribute real estate, the actual resource of land, to the second house and to Taurus. I'm hoping that my fear that Uranus is moving into Taurus will resurrect the housing crisis does not come true. However, I would also um, advise people to make sure that the deeds on their properties are clear, that their mortgages are affordable, uh, that uh, if you have tenants or properties, they're well-kept. Anything related to real estate may not escape Uranus's and Taurus, you know, need for change. Again, look at your life and think about, uh, if I were to give you a homework assignment, I would say make a list of things that, are no longer valuable to you, whether they come in the form of relationships, whether they come in form of what you own, like a house. You know, maybe you're renting out a house, you have a second property, but it's nothing but trouble. Maybe it's time to think about valuing it and selling it. Again, that's not my advice to you. I'm saying thinking about it is my advice. Not I'm not telling you what to do. Because in the years ahead, once Uranus gets into Taurus, Depending on your individual chart, we don't know what is going to happen around something that you considered formerly to be a solid resource, at least in terms of value. So valuing, 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 valuing anything and everything is on the table here. And the second list I would make you, I would advise you to make is what you want, what you want to bring in as a future value because that is what will help you co-create your own future as we watch these gear shifts shift and move together yet independently and in terms of our own natal energies, how they are helping us to become more conscious in today's world. So I want to thank you, everyone, for joining me today and especially for listening to me as I had no guests. So I appreciate it. I hope you stuck with me uh, through the whole hour. And I hope you found this information helpful as you continue your karmic evolution in this lifetime. Please join me next week on November 16th when my guest will be professional astrologer and author Marina Orms for another episode of Karmic Evolutions Astrologically Speaking. We'll be talking about planetary cycles with an eye toward next May's ingress of Uranus into Taurus. I'm very excited to get Marina's take on it and uh, the upcoming Mercury retrograde, which will move into the sign of fire retrogrades on December 2nd and will retrograde through different fire signs for the entire next year. So I would like to talk to Marina a little bit about that. And also about Saturn and Capricorn, which is the next biggie on the, on the uh, astrological calendar. So join us. Until then, may your journey toward your soul's karmic evolution be filled with karmic healing and the joy of greater consciousness. Namaste. Long ago, before this day's confusion did begin. Throughout the stars did we go wandering 
distance was no barrier and time it had no hope free to go and free to go free to go and free to go open up the Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.